Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It is day number 137 of our three-year journey through the Bible, and we're jumping over to the New Testament to pick up in our studies in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6 is our passage for today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word, for the gift of life in your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to understand what it means for us to live as those who belong to Christ and no longer to ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will not have dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were once slaves of sin, you've become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
That is Romans chapter 6 in the English Standard Version. Uh, What a powerful chapter. We had ended chapter 5 in our last study by saying that as sin reigned in death, grace might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. As sin increased, grace abounded all the more. As sin reigned in death, grace might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life. And this leads to a question. Well, if we're not under the law, but we're under grace, if every time sin increases, grace abounds all the more, why not continue in sin that grace may abound? And Paul uses a very strong response here. He says, by no means. He says it again in verse 15. No way, Jose. Don't even let it into your mind. Get that thought out of there. No, 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 no. (laughs) It's a very, very strong in the original Greek. And so uh, your translations will usually reflect that by no means, or God forbid, or perish the thought, or no way, right? And so we cannot sin that grace may abound. That shows that we don't get it, that we haven't received it, that we don't, you know, there's a fundamental change that happens when we come to God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's pictured in baptism. In baptism, what is pictured is the washing away of the old life and the putting on of the new life. Now, Some people think that what we have here at the beginning of chapter 6 is a picture of the mode of baptism, that we're buried in baptism, which means we're put under the water, and then we're raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. We're raised from the waters of baptism, so that baptism must be by immersion. Uh, That is not really the main point of what's being said here. Uh, And besides burial, uh, in biblical times, was usually done in in a sepulcher. You were put in and then, you know, raised by being brought out. So it's a little different picture than being buried in the, in the earth. Usually it was an above ground sepulcher or maybe a cave. So anyway, it's, uh, it's not about mode here. Uh, baptism does not mean to immerse and baptism does not require immersion. Uh, there's good reason to say that sprinkling or pouring is the best mode for baptism because What's pictured in baptism is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit who comes to us, who unites us to Christ. The Holy Spirit unites us to Christ in his death and resurrection. Baptism is a picture of this. Baptism doesn't actually do it, not water baptism, but spirit baptism does. So water baptism points to spirit baptism, just as in the Old Covenant, Flesh circumcision pointed to heart circumcision. So in the Old Covenant, people were circumcised at eight days old, males in the covenant were. But then they were commanded by God, circumcise your hearts, which is not something you can really do for yourself. And so God would promise and say, I will circumcise your hearts. But flesh circumcision pointed to the deeper reality of heart circumcision. And in the same way in the New Covenant age, without the shedding of blood, because Christ's blood has already been shed, We have water washing that is a picture of the washing away of the old self and renewal by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who unites us to Christ. So water baptism pictures spirit baptism. And so that's what's happening here is we're getting into the meaning of baptism, not the mode of baptism in these opening verses 
of chapter 6. And what it is, is union with Christ. Baptism pictures, pictures, doesn't accomplish, water baptism pictures union with Christ, which the Holy Spirit accomplishes when he draws us to Christ in our effectual calling, gives us the gift of saving faith in Christ, and applies all the benefits of Christ's redemption to us. And so the washing of the water is symbolic of renewal by the Holy Spirit and the application of the blood of Christ to us. And it's the Holy Spirit who's poured out on us, and it's the blood of Christ that it's applied to us, and that's why in Presbyterian churches we baptize by by pouring. So what's being happening here is though it's a union with Christ. So salvation is found by being united to Christ. We're either on our own, in our flesh, sold as a slave to sin, in Adam, and under condemnation, or we are in Christ, united to Christ by faith, under Christ as our head, and forgiven of all of our sins, justified, forgiven, adopted, and made heirs of eternal life. Everyone in the world is in one of those two places. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. You're either under sin or you're under the blood. You're either in condemnation or you're in justification. You're either awaiting eternal separation or you're awaiting eternal glorification. One or the other is true of you based upon whether or not you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Savior of sinners and you receive and rest on him alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel. It's a free gift. Or you can go on earning the wages of sin, which is death. So what Paul is saying here in Romans 6 is that if you're no longer in Adam, but you're in Christ, if you're no longer a slave to sin, but you've been set free and you're now a slave to Christ, if you're no longer under the curse of condemnation, but you're under the grace of adoption, then you should live like it. Your life should reflect the fundamental change that God has brought about in you. Notice, you don't do all these things in order to earn that change, but you do all these things because you've been given that change. And so if you belong to Jesus Christ, you are to not let sin reign in your mortal body to obey its passion. Sin's no longer your master. You don't have to listen to sin. You can say no to sin, and you can say yes to God. In fact, you must say no to sin and say yes to God. Sin will not have dominion over you, verse 14, since you are not under law, but under grace. Many Christians have this mistaken idea that because we're not saved by our good works, then Christians are just as much sinners as non-Christians, but we're just forgiven. We are sinners, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's what 1 John says. So we are sinners. We do sin every day in thought, word, and deed. We are guilty. But we are not given over to sin in the same way that an unbeliever is. Or else Romans 6 doesn't make any sense whatsoever. If there's no difference between the way a Christian lives his life and the non-Christian lives his life, then you got to tear Romans 6 out of your Bible and throw it away because it doesn't make any sense. There is a fundamental difference. We have been set free from bondage to sin, and we have been made slaves 
to Christ, slaves for righteousness. The truth is, according to God's word, spelled out clearly here in Romans 6, also spelled out clearly by Jesus in John chapter 8, everybody is a slave to someone or something. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. That is, you're a slave to Satan or you're a slave to God. And you say, well, I'm my own person. I'm going to be my own master. Okay, well, then you're a slave to sin. <laughs> because self, in your sinful fallen state, is sinful and under condemnation and sold under bondage to Satan. Jesus said everyone who sins is a slave to sin. The only way to be set free from your slavery to sin is to be bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, redeemed with his precious blood, and made a child of God, which also makes you a slave to righteousness. And we shouldn't be ashamed to be a slave to righteousness. We should be happy to be a slave to righteousness because righteousness is so much better to do than sin. The world's telling us all the time how much more fun sin is, but the reality is sin has disastrous consequences that are often unforeseen and, and heavier than we ever anticipated and, and that we wouldn't have been willing to pay had we known going into it at the beginning, would we? Sin is bad. Like it's, it's, it's not the fun that God's keeping us from. It's the harm that God's saving us from. And as soon as we change our mindset and say, sin is not the fun God's keeping me from, but it's the harm God is saving me from, then we understand that righteousness, isn't it better to love someone than to hate them? Isn't it better to tell the truth than to lie? Isn't it better to give generously than to steal greedily? Isn't it better to be a blessing to others than a curse? Of course it is. It is better to serve God. And we're not earning salvation by it, but we're living out the salvation that he has given us as a free gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you've been given that free gift, live that eternal life today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of life in your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for making us your own. Help us to follow after you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much. Tomorrow for day 138, we are going to jump back to Exodus. We just have two more chapters in Exodus 39 and 40. We'll do those the next two days. Hope you can join us for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.